Jesus. Jesus. Father, we worship you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Sulema Sote di Radamahaya. The past couple days, some pastors of large churches have reached out to me, and I love these men. They're personal friends of mine. I honor them, and uh, I certainly am walking in humility to have these kind of invitations. But I have no desire to go to either place. But I couldn't wait to get down here. Let me tell you why. I'm looking at special forces people. I'm looking at, remember the Green Berets? I'm looking at frontline warriors and worshipers who really mean business. I'm not flattering you or trying to. It's just, I don't know how many more hours I have on this earth, how many breaths I have. Life is a vapor. I don't know how much vapor I got left. I want to give all my vapor to Jesus. And I'm going to make it count. And so I've got two spiritual sons here. They both have submitted to me. They're not rebels. They don't want to miss it. And they both said, would you cover us, speak into our lives, correct us? And so these two spiritual sons have come together. I have on purpose told people there's two places I know that haven't let go of revival. One is River of Life right here, and the other is Prepare the Way Ministries in Kansas City. And lo and behold, through divine providence, divine direction, invitations were given, delegations took off from vacation for vacation, and we're in the same place at the same time for the same reason. To say more, Lord. More. <laughs> Woo, Jesus. And so I'm like a kid with a new toy. <laughs> I want you to believe that because I, I know my heart. I love John Kilpatrick. He's one of my best friends and one time he said, he's, John Davis is the best friend i got in the whole world. We're close. And I, 
appreciate the many times he's invited me down there, but I said, if I come down, I want to hear you because I love your preaching. But he kept inviting me to come and preach. And after about a dozen times, he, he looked at me and said, I've asked you several times. You've turned me down. Why? And I realized I'd hurt his feelings. I said, I wouldn't hurt your feelings for a million dollars. I love your preaching. I love to be with you. He's mentored thousands in, the, in revival, me included, and I honor him. But I said, I don't have anything to say to your people. If I come down, I want to hear you. He said, but I want to bless you. Now, I know what that means. Every evangelist needs an offering. When I was first called and they would give me money, I'd cry. It touched my heart. But now I cry if they don't. How many knows what I'm talking about? <laughs> Your pastor takes care of, this, this church takes care of evangelists, ministers, and ministries. Big John Hall's in heaven tonight. Could not get over what you've done for him. But he said, I just, I want to bless you. So, you know, you come down, we'll receive an offering. If there's a 1,000 people, and everybody gives $100, there's $100,000. That's how evangelists thinks, just so you'll know it. <laughs> I looked at him, I said, well, just eliminate the airfare and cut me a check right now. Amen. And you know what? And he laughed, and you're laughing, and I'm laughing. But money to me is not a financial thing. It's a spiritual thing. And I've given everything. Me and Deb have given everything. Emptied our bank account more than once. Gave equity from our house. $36,000. <laughs> Jesus, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying. I don't want money, houses, cars, things. I want to see a move of God in my generation. I want to see people set free from sin and Satan and sickness. I refuse to be the only generation that talks about the past and looks for the future. If God did it once, he can do it again. Father, would you do it one more time in Jesus' name? And John Kilpatrick did, and he's given me a lot of money, and I'm just supporting us. And I'm going down to the revival reunion. I'm going down. I don't want to preach. I want to lay on my face. And I know he'll have me say something. He usually does, but if he doesn't, if I do say something, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say. I didn't come down to say, thanks for the memories. I came down to say, Lord, do it again. One more time. Hallelujah. Are you hungry for more? So to my, to my spiritual sons, I honor So proud of Ralph coming down. Been with him four years now. In the month of June, we'll let these people know up front we're coming twice. Double barrel, double header. The month of June. Going to be summer in the glory. Amen. But for four years, once a month, we're up there on a Saturday and Sunday. They're so much alike. I said, I want you to connect. I'm so glad that the merging of the streams because... Kansas City is going to take something out of this revival.
you're going to get something. The best is yet to come, and tonight, I believe the bottom's going to drop out of heaven. I believe there's going to be glory all over this place. Are you hungry? Are you really hungry? That message that you shared with us, Pastor Scott, I want a copy. That's so profound. Wind it up, it'll preach itself. But, I mean, you really hit me hard, and everybody needs to know it, and I'm so glad the young people heard that. Five things. Wow. They ask a man, is holiness popular where you come from? No, but it is where I'm going. Come on, shout amen, somebody. Come on, folks. Holiness ain't that popular, but it is where we're going. He's a holy God, a holy heaven, still a holy Bible. He's a holy child, Yeshua HaMashiach. He's a ghost called holy. He's coming for a holy people. But that message is profound, and I, I would have flown down to hear that. I want you to write it down for me. I wish you'd have been my pastor when I was growing up because you don't preach long messages. If you do that just a few minutes, you change my life. I used to pray that my dad, he liked to preach long. I used to pray that we'd have a breakthrough and dad wouldn't get to preach. How many knows what I'm talking about? I love breakthroughs. I love breakthroughs. <laughs> was raised right. You know, you, know what a, you know what it means when a preacher looks at his watch? Absolutely nothing. Preacher was preaching, a man was snoring like it was midnight. The preacher told the deacon, said, wake him up. The deacon said, you put him to sleep, you wake him up, amen. <laughs> where, where are you going as the man walked out in the middle of the message? I'm going to get a haircut. Well, why didn't you get one before you came? I didn't need one before I came, amen. <laughs> I told my buddy, Ed, this is a one cup of coffee sermon instead of a two. And so he asked me, so I told him. So I'm not going to preach long. I'm going to give you something that you need to process. Because they've asked me to be a spiritual father, and I feel that anointing, and so I'm not into traveling as much as I want to be at the right place at the right time. A real sermon needs to stretch your mind, warm your heart, provoke your will, tan your hide, and change your life. And you heard that... Brother Benny, you heard it from Brother Ralph. And I'm going to give you what God's given me. And I'm through, but God's not. This is a night of increase. Everybody say increase. Everybody say more, Lord. In Pensacola, you can hear, fill more. Fill more. They kept looking for this man named Phil more. Amen. <laughs> All the memories. Late into the night, after the service, they would find restaurants. All the restaurants and the motels, welcome to the revival. Welcome revival, people. Welcome Pensacola revival. Because millions of dollars are coming to the economy. And so they would stay open late at night, and we would stagger in. Wasn't that, <laughs> wasn't that some night last night? We all needed designated drivers, didn't we? I wonder what they're laughing at, and I started laughing to know what they're laughing at. <laughs> if you'll get on, you'll get in you. How many is what I'm saying? It's contagious. Jumped around. <laughs> well, joy of the Lord's your strength. 
A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. I think we overdosed last night. What do you think? <laughs> oh, it was powerful. But I remember going to those restaurants, and boy, you go to the salad bar, and there'd be somebody laying on the floor shaking the salad bar. You step over and get your salad and go back to eat. And nobody mattered, you know, nobody minded you. You knew where your crowd was because instead of smoking and non-smoking, it was praising and non-praising. How many knows what I'm saying? <laughs> Pastor talks about his wife, and I've, it was more than just his wife, but there's several. You'd walk out in the parking lot, and now people from, you know, five million people from all the nations and denominations, and wow, just hungry. And you'd be looking, and there'd be somebody laying in the, in the road, you know, shaking on the power, and some of them, they, they didn't move them. They just put orange cones around them. Amen. And you just kind of, the glory was, <laughs> wow. They asked a taxi driver, said, there's a couple Playboy bunnies came for a shoot in the sun, and they got there and said, take us to the hottest thing in town. Thinking, take them to a bar. He took them to the revival. Amen. And they got saved. I said, they got saved. And come on, folks. Now, I'm not bragging on that place. I'm telling you what it's going to look like in Dallas, Texas, and Garland, Texas, when real, come on, when real revival hits. Hallelujah. So, Pastor, Sister Sandy, wow. I'm so proud of you guys. I, I know, you know, people see the glory, but you don't know the story. There's a story behind the glory. You've been through some stuff. You paid the price, but you're faithful. And I want you to know that your pastor is very subservient. He said, I need you to cover me. And we do that. We pray. And thank you for your support. But to have the two sons together tonight, to me, is a highlight. And like I said, I couldn't wait to get down here. What pastor said about prayer is that's, that's all I do anymore. It happened after 46 years of ministry. And on the floor one night after the warfare was so intense, I said, God, what's wrong? God said, you've approached it all wrong. This move will not be brought in by great preaching, great singing. It's going to be prayer. And he gave me the scriptures. He taketh with him Peter, James, and John. God said, don't take the crowds. Now, he could have took Bartholomew, Nathaniel, and Andrew. He didn't. He took Peter, James, and John three or four times. So what we do is we have prayer meetings, invitation only. It's on our 40 acres, just 10 minutes from Branson. And we tell people when we invite them, we're going to stand in the gap, decree America back to God and believe God for the last day outpouring. And we ask that you don't tell anybody where we're at because I don't want them here. I don't want Sister Jezebel and Brother Ahab. Come on, say amen, somebody. I don't want a bunch of church people and religious people. I don't want it. I'm serious. Your pastor's serious. This man is serious. 
They've walked and waded through the valleys. But they heard God said, if you spend the day with me, I'll spend the night with you. So they're broken before God, but bold before the devil. And bold before men. It's an unusual day. It can't be business as usual. We're not playing games here. Now, the message may seem a little heavy. It's not going to be long, but stay with me. You need to hear it now. It's not going to be negative. It's going to sound like it. But if you stay with me, you're going to end on a heavenly high. And it will complement what Pastor Scott just shared with us. Everybody say, this is it. Finish lines in view. We've talked about it, sung about it, thought about it, preached about it. This is the generation. Great darkness, great light, same time. Wheat and tares growing together. Two in the bed, one taking one left. Two in the field, one taking one left. Five wise, five fully. 50-50, neck and neck. The elections almost bear that out. And yet in the midst of all of this, Best of times, the worst of times, God's going to do his greatest work in this world's darkest hour. So to the Green Berets and the special forces that haven't given up, I know two groups that haven't given up. Mom and Dad, boy, I honor you. And in a few moments, I want you to stand behind your pastors, and Stephen and Brianna. God bless you, sweetheart. I honor you. You've sung when you were sick. That little Brianna, she has nothing to do with me, but I still honor her. Amen. <laughs> but this family, I want to lay hands on them first. Everybody say first. And I believe there's going to be an increased divine impartation. Not just to barely get by and survive, but to thrive and to go forward in faith, heads held high. Shoulders thrown back. Devil, get out of the way. This is our day. This is our generation. We're going to see it, say it, and seize it. Come on, give God praise. Come on, give him a hand of praise. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. I tell everybody that's all I do is pray. This should be called a house of prayer. Lord, teach us to not preach and sing, but pray. Perform 35 miracles, recorded miracles, 19 parables, 9 sermons. Didn't say teach us to preach, perform miracles. His prayer life moved them. And so prayer, to me, is not a drudge, a duty. It's an audience with the king, shout amen, somebody. Yet, for a few moments, look this direction. When prayer doesn't work. Think about that for a moment. I don't like the sound of that. Because we have said in so many words, it's not only the secret, to some it's the cure-all. We've thrown it out there. And yet you can't outpray the Pharisees. Come on, say amen, somebody. Get it? And yet the very ones that prayed more than you pray, Jesus condemned them the most. The harshest words. Seven times when it doesn't work. Number one, the Bible says Jesus could do no mighty miracles because of their, everybody say, only believe. It's not just prayer. It's the prayer of faith. How many believes God? 
Lift your hand and begin to praise him. It works. It works. It works. Come on, praise him. Praise him. I believe God. If you said it, I believe it. That settles it. Past, present, future. Mind, body, soul, spirit. Family. The very son of God. Now think about it. Psalm 78. They limited the Holy One of Israel. An unlimited God can be limited by small thinking and wrong speaking. You need to stand on that word and say, Devil, whatever happens, I believe God. $90,000 has come in to help us pay off our property. $90,000. I need $100,000. more. God said, don't you get out there and try to raise that. It's my property. And I'm going to pay it off. He sent that much money in, and here's what he said. All I want you to do is believe me. God's greatest pleasure is for you to say, I believe you, Father. I believe you can. I know you will. Now, you're where I'm at. In this last hour, I decree your property paid off. I decree your family blessed. I decree an increase of finances. And all God wants to hear from you is the shout of faith. Lift your hands and begin to shout the shout of faith. Come on, lift your hands and begin to shout the shout of faith. Come on, praise him. Thank you, Father, for paying our property off. I call the $10,000 in in the mighty name of the mighty Jesus. <laughs> Prayer doesn't work. Unbelief. Everybody say unbelief. unbelief. Number two is unrepentance. Think about this. If I regard iniquity in my heart, you will not hear me, O God. How many of us have said that? Shami's ready to repent. Every day all the way. I think what about it? I'm saying. Because the hand of the Lord is not short and that it cannot save. Neither is ear heavy. You're heavy that cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hit his face that he will not hear. Oh, God. Bartleman, Frank Bartleman, the Azusa Revival said, said the depth of any revival can be determined by the depth of repentance. Deep repentance. Deep repentance. Charles Finney said all revival is is Continued repentance. And that's in a day when they tell you you don't have to pray through anymore. How many knows we need to touch God every day? Keep the sin out of your life. Lift your hands and say, yes, Lord. Prayer works. Prayer works. I'm going to get right with God and stay right. Come on, praise him for just a few seconds. Oh, Hallelujah. Think about it. Joshua was praying. God says, get up. Wow. God told him to stop praying. There's sin in the camp. Deal with aching. Everybody's going to be aching for sure. Come on, say amen, somebody. So what do you do when prayer doesn't work? Get right with God. Oh, but there's another one. Not just unbelief, unrepentance, but unforgiveness. For when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught that your Father will forgive you. 
Are you listening to me? You've come this far by faith. You're so close to your breakthrough. While you're waiting on God, what if God's waiting on you to forgive Sister Bakakihak? Brother Spookendike. Sister Blabalot. Come on, say amen, somebody. Hope nobody's named that here. I don't think there is. But everybody's got a somebody done somebody wrong song. Unless you've lived in a cave or a coma, somebody said something that hurt your feelings. <laughs> and recently I stood and said, no, I will not take offense. I felt it coming on because I felt used, betrayed. I'm praying to be like Jesus and I get betrayed. How many knows that's what happens? But immediately I knew what I felt. I'm not going to struggle through life and limp along and maybe so, maybe no. No, no, no. I'm not going to be a Sunday saint and a Monday ain't. I'm not going to live on the backside of the desert all my life and just go through rites, ruts, rituals, and routines and hope that I make it not on your life. I was born for more and so for you, were you. Get out of the chicken yard. Get out where the, where the turkeys are and fly with the eagles in the name of Jesus. You forgive your mom and you forgive your dad and you forgive your husband. You forgive that former mate. You forgive your children. You do it in the name of Jesus and forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a decision. Because there's times I feel like laying hands on them without praying. How many knows what I'm going to say? And you do too. But I forgive them on the basis that he who knows me best loves me most. And he forgave me. And because he forgave me, I can forgive you in Jesus' name. And I forgive everybody. Come on, lift your hands now. Shout now. Come on, prayer works. Everybody say prayer works. I'm going to believe God. Repent. Walk in holiness, as Pastor said. Clean out, dredge it out, as Pastor Ralph said. And I'm going to forgive everybody. There's seven reasons. Number four, it's not just unbelief and unforgiveness and unrepentance, and, but there's unscriptural prayer. I mean, the Bible says, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, then... Yes, what you will, it shall be done. So what if we're to line up with God's word instead of just being out there on our own? What if we don't submit to spiritual authority? What if we don't find that safe place in the house of the Lord and we get out there outside the word of God and the boundaries? How many knows God knows where the landmines are? And everything he does, he does for your protection. I think of unscriptural prayers. I think of you pray, but you don't obey. Come on. Some pay tithe when due, some before due, some past due, some never do. How do you do? Come on, say amen, somebody. <laughs> You're praying for increase, robbing God. How does that work? Robbing God and wanting more? How does that work? Come on, folks. Shout now. It's getting quiet. Oh, God. Jesus. You've got to pray and obey. You've got to pray and say. Now, think about it. You keep 
Some thinks that prayer is, is, is to bug God and beg God. It's not even to inform God. How many knows? He knows. It's to invite God. It's to set yourself in agreement with God. He wants to heal you, save you, set you free, bless you. He wants to meet your needs and give you enough to help others. He wants to take your family to heaven with you. You're not twisting God's arm. If you ever doubt that God wants that, take a long look at Calvary. He gave his only son that you could be saved, healed, filled, thrilled, sealed, and fulfilled, and filled full. Amen. And all God wants is you to be an obedient child. So how much are you going to give to your kids to spit at you, look at you, make fun of you, and laugh at you, and disregard your what you want? Oh, I'm telling you right now. If I was you, I'd run, jump, and pop a God's lap and say, Jesus, whatever you say, that I will do. Come on, lift your hands and praise him. It works. Come on, it works. Come on, praise him louder now. It's going to get... Some of you are going to get your, you're going to get your hide tan, but God's going to set you free. Come on, praise him out loud. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's four, unrepentance, unforgiveness, unbelief, unscripture. Now, I can spend a lot of time in unscriptures because there's a whole lot of people that they're operating like God's their water boy. Going to tell God what he needs to do. Do it now. Get down here, God. Oh, my, if I was you, I would understand what the Bible says. Stay in the book. Isn't that what you said? You said stay in the Word, didn't you? I heard you. He preached the message. I'm just repeating him. So you get in that black back book and you, you stay there. You peruse and muse through holy writ. You pray it in. You live it out. You pass it on. And you watch that faith grow. One place he says, you shall say to this mountain. He says, you shall pray. If you, when you pray, believe. Then he says, you shall say. He says, pray twice and Say three times. No, he says prayer once and say three times. Some men as we've got a decree. Come on, say amen. you got a decree. We're not begging God to do what he's already done. I mean, he already. It is written. It is finished. It is settled. It is time. Now, you rise up and obey God. You find it there, you speak it. Some of you need to pray the scriptures. I said you need to pray the word of God. You just pray what God says and see what happens. I'm telling you right now. I just heard the devil say, ouch, he is hurting for certain tonight because you're going to rise up and fulfill your God-given destiny. You wasn't born just to get by and barely make it. You're not going to slide under the pearly gates and have St. Peter shout, safe. How many knows? No, no, no. <laughs> How many knows it's a home run? I said, it's a home run. I said, we're going to run in more than conquerors. Come on, give God a thunderous ovation. Lift your hands. It works. Come on, lift your hands and praise him. It works. I've got a whole, I've got a whole page right here on, on unscriptural prayers. I can't, I'm going to move on because there's such a thing as unwise. Everybody say unwise. Bible make like wisdom, lay mask of God. Gives all men liberally, I breathe not. A double-minded man doesn't receive anything. So here we are. Wisdom, oh God. I remember when I saw her. I was at an age I was thinking about getting married. I was 13. She was beautiful. She was so beautiful. I said, God, that's the one that you've got for me. 
And Lord, whatever you want me to do, and whoever you want me to marry, but please let it be her. And I'll be a missionary to Africa all my life. I'm so glad God didn't answer that prayer. Because I saw her the other day. Come on, shout amen. <laughs> Oh, I have prayed some doozies. And don't you look so pious. You have too. We've got some good ideas, don't we? I can just see God. I think that we may be the comedy channel for the angels. <laughs> I believe they're watching us. I can hear God. Uh, hold on just a minute, Gabriel, Michael. Be quiet. John Davis has an idea. You're laughing at yourself, aren't you? You're not laughing at me? Are you laughing with me? Come on, say amen, somebody. <laughs> I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. Unrepentance, unforgiveness, unbelief, unscriptural, unwise. How about unprayed prayers? You have not because you ask not. <laughs> That's an unspoken request. I ain't going to tell you what it is, God. <laughs> I'm not making fun of unspoken requests. But he said, he said, he said. Somebody said, would you pray for my unloved, saved ones? I mean my unsaved loved ones. I, mean, I think they got it right the first time. Say amen, somebody. <laughs> he says, you have not because you ask not. And you ask and receive not because you ask Amos. You need to ask God, not Amos. Come on, say amen, somebody. You ask amiss. So the Pharisees, they're praying to themselves. That's what it says. He prayed to himself. The publican, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. But the Pharisee prayed to himself, and God didn't hear it. I want God to hear my prayers. I want my prayers answered. So I'm going to come boldly, but I'm going to come to the mercy seat, and I'm not going to be a spoiled child demanding God do it my way. I'm going to say, Lord, your will and your way and your time and your strength and your place with your people, with your wisdom, by your grace, for your glory. He made me pray that for two years. Sounds like I'm saying just a bunch of the same thing. I'm not. Pastor Scott calls it his perfect will. Everybody say his perfect will. Now, this church is getting ready to move into a new dimension of God's glory. That's what he told me when I walked down here. He's got a place for you, and he's got people that's going to join you, but it's going to be the people that he brings. Right before that happens, the devil will try to send counterfeit. He'll try to send something in that will be a distraction. Why wouldn't he try to destroy and abort the will of God? But if you'll follow the leadership, the leadership's following God, if you will pray. How many knows it works? I said it works. Come on, lift your hands and praise him. Lift your hands and praise him. Lift your hands and praise him. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your voice and praise him. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus, that's six, seven. I call it 
untimely prayers. In Revelation, they pray for the rocks to fall on them. It's too late. Everybody say it's too late. Luke 16, I pray thee, Abraham, send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. I think the greatest prayer meetings going on tonight are going on in hell. As people stare at the smutty walls of hell and the regions of the doomed and the damned, but it's too late. Everybody say it's too late. I see the hooded figure of a man shrouded in secrecy slip into the dark night for a midnight rendezvous with the witch at Endor. The call of Saul is thrilling, but the fall of Saul is chilling. From the lofty heights of resplendent glory to the dire depths of demonic decadence. And naught could be heard but a funeral cry, suicide on Gilboa. Think of Esau who couldn't find the place, though he sought it with tears. Don't wait too late. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. The setting of sun soon shall condescend on civilization. But before that happens, God's going to raise up special forces. I'm looking at you. Green berets. You could go to the high steep or pal people cathedral. There may be more perks and amenities. The big church. It's a church uptown. So cold, you can skate down the aisle and shake hands with a polar bear. Say amen, somebody. So quiet, all you can hear is stomach growling, people snoring like it's midnight, and the cat meowing in the back alley. Come on, say amen. But you find this little shopping center, and you come in here. And you come in here because you know that you were born from more than religion. Everybody say revival. Once you've been haunted by a ghost called holy, once you've been burned and touched and torched by the fire of God, you're forever runt. You'll pursue him to your dying day. How many knows there's more? Don't wait. It's time to seek the Lord. It is time to seek the Lord. Till he reign righteousness upon us, the Bible says. Everybody say, it's time. time. Now, I want you to listen to me. Because I told you the importance of prayer. And I stand before you if this is the last words that you hear. Because I preach as a dying man to dying men. And I'll fly back tomorrow. And you're going to be privileged to see on the big screen the great Sergio Scatoclini from the Argentine revival. I met him here. I sat with him. And I'm impacted. I've received impartation every time I've come down tonight, and this week is no exception. I look at the sons of revival. The two places that I know, I don't book things. I mean, I don't schedule things. I don't, you know, I quit. I threw the books out a long time ago. If Because most of our revivals used to go two, three, four, five years. Four years in one place. And now I'm called to pray. Spending time with him. So I I don't see you can't schedule a hurricane. How many knows what I'm saying? You just can't schedule one. But I just spent a few minutes with this man and I knew that it's a Holy Ghost hurricane wherever he's going. I knew it was coming his way. 
So when he says, can you come next year? Yeah, I'll be there. And I don't schedule things. Well, what I reason to say I'll be there, I believe I'll be in the rapture. Come on, shout amen, somebody. <laughs> but I'll see you here, there, in the air. Come on. Whether it's here, there, whatever. But there'll be a day that I'll walk in, and I'm not invited, you know, as far as a speaker, but I'll just walk in, lay on the floor. The people lined up to get in here. Talking about real revival. I listen to him. He don't talk a lot, but when he starts talking, I'm holding on to every word he says. And God said, you don't need the big church with the big money. You need to listen to my servant. You listen to the young men that God's chosen that haven't let go of me. They haven't let go of revival. They haven't let go of revival. John Kilpatrick comes to town. Where's Ralph? He wants to see Ralph. I think of the man of God that you've got for a pastor who Steve Hill lays hands on him. When I landed here last year, the, I forget which year it was, but God said the mantle of the revival, the metroplex, it's upon this young man. I believe every word of it because God told me that. So you could go and you go other places and you could probably not have as much warfare and people still die and go to hell. Well, you play the game of religion. But I'm going to end with this. Mario says it like this. To the special forces that feel like the urgency of the hour is upon you, it's on you, hon. Jesus, it's on you. When you had little Brianna lay hands on little Zoe, that's right on. The impartation of intercessory prayer. Mario says it like this. And I believe in a, a prayer life. Everybody say a prayer life. But there's another dimension called a life of prayer. You go over your head. A life of prayer is where you're in God's presence 24-7. I don't care if you're working. I don't care where you're at. You're in his presence. You're praying in tongues. You're walking with him. It's Miss Wigglesworth. They ask him, how long do you pray? Oh, no longer than 20 minutes, but I don't go 20 minutes without praying. And we pull that book out all the time and read it and then start praying. I'm getting a little bit weird, and they know it. But I don't apologize. But I'll be talking to somebody, and all of a sudden, I'll just start praying. I'm talking to God because he's there with me. And if I spend all day with him, he's walking with me. So when somebody comes up and says, you know, I, boy, I have a need. and Father, I ask in Jesus, and right there in the middle of the street, my dad used to do that and embarrass me to death. But now I'm becoming that. It's not just a prayer life, it's a life of prayer. Are you still with me? Well, the closer he got to the cross, the smaller the crowd got. But you're still here. And nobody's in a hurry, but I'm about through, but he's not. But let me tell you this story. My sister works for Joyce Meyer. 
She's in the inner circle, books a lot of the meetings and helps Joyce, the family. She sent this to me. Priscilla Shirer told it. In the 1940s, Professor Orr in England took some of his theology students on a field trip one, one day to the Epworth Rectory, the place in the house of John Wesley, who prayed and taught and pursued revival and experienced great revival in the early 1900s used in England and America. Fire spread. Students were impacted by his stories, but now it's field trip day. So they're going to his compound, and they got off the bus, and they walked in. As they walked in, they looked around, and they saw John Wesley's, the kitchen, the living room, his books, his notes still on the desk. They'd pick up the book, and they would look around. They saw the bed where he slept. And then they went upstairs, the upper room, chambers. That's where he really got close to God. There was a little cot there. There was a little bed. And they walked in. And the professor told him, this is where he really sought God. Not for an hour or two, but for hour after hour and day upon day. He had more than a prayer life. He had a life of prayer. They looked, and there was a holy hush as they looked around and saw the place where he prayed and cried for real revival, not just for, not just for England, but for America and the world. He prayed. He sought God. And then it came time for them to leave, and the professor called them back to the bus. And when they all got on the bus, the professor stood to count. There was one missing. So the professor or said, wait here, I'll go get the other person. Went in the living room, wasn't there. Went in the kitchen, wasn't there. Went in the office, wasn't there. Climbed up the little upper room. And something I forgot to tell you, but I want to tell you. Because this is important. Before the students left, on the side of the bed, they noticed two well-worn spots in the carpet. The professor said that's where he knelt. So many hours he wore those spots there. So the professor's looking, and sure enough, he sees the head of a young man right over there who had placed his knees in those spots. And the young man said, Oh, God, would you do it again? And would you do it again through me? And he was weeping and sobbing. Professor Orr put his hand on his shoulder and says, It's time to go. And the young boy named Billy Graham stood up and followed him out to the bus. And then... God did it again. <laughs> I'm praying, and I'm through, but God's not. And I'm praying my contribution in this week of Pentecost, oh, God, 
these young guys and gals and moms and dads and teenagers and middle-agers and golden-agers that are here, would you so put a divine desire and possess with a purpose of fire that burns that will cry out, God, would you do it again? One more time. Do it tonight. Do it tonight. Do it in Dallas, Texas. Do it in America. From the White House to the courthouse to the schoolhouse to the church house to the state house to your house. Come on, give God a thunder salvation of praise. Lord, would you do it again? Come on, praise him. Stand to your feet and praise him. Clap your hands, O ye people. And as you're clapping your hands, 